six-pack double feature presents Pick Six, where the guys round out a top five list with one extra. Horror, sci-fi, crappy sequels, all the titles you know and love, plus beer. Tell us your picks, guys. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well... It's all just. She got some little bit of CBD. I put on. Me too. I, I put on a. I put on a. Uh, what did I put on? Oh, I put, you know how YouTube you can find like videos for dogs. Oh, and shit? I was gonna say, did you put I on a Thelonious Monk record? <laughs> dogs smoking weed. Fucking yeah. listening to jazz. No, I put on. Um, I, I put on like YouTube like videos for dogs. Same fucking dog TV. I'm like, oh, well, I ain't I've, I ever, for that. You ever watched it? I put it on as a test to see, and she, Ivy actually looked at a couple of things, and she started to kind of growl at looking at other dogs our dogs funny. didn't give a fuck that is a uh, that no is a idea. nice low-key reference to our uh, earlier christmas episode of Scrooge. <laughs> oh, yeah i know right <laughs> where they predicted the future i started to wonder why i had all these dog videos uh, in my youtube history and i realized that lisa was trying to do it for <laughs> the Andy dog, for the dog was taking your phone and watching dog porn at night <sighs> that was it gross <laughs> welcome to it gang it is pick six i am not nathan i am not travis and last week we did failed recommendations, letdowns. It'll be letdowns because it's um, smaller when I oh, yeah. create the artwork and shit. Oh, they <laughs> charge it by the number, the letter now. No, but it's just easier. Gotcha. <laughs> recommendations is a long, it's a long word, a lot of letters. Yeah, I'm not asking you to invent <laughs> the failed, word. Failed, failed letdowns. <laughs> Today we are uh, in the uh, opposite vein. We're doing. Um, I won't say unexpectedly good sequels, but I don't know. I have best sequels. I, I, this I have is, best this sequels is, this as well. Is, these are just six of my favorite movies that are sequels to movies. Either they're parts of a series or they're direct sequels, but they're actually good because a lot of the time a sequel will suck. Like with the Police Academy Or series. they will be a letdown. Yeah, or they'll be a letdown. <laughs> what, let's call it good sequels. Good sequels. I like that even better. All right, it's official. Actually good sequels. I've, I've cracked... The uh, tall boy of my official, unofficial beer of six-pack double feature. Narragansett Lager Beer. Hi, neighbor. Have a Gansett. What are you having today? Uh, just more Miller Lite. Leftover Miller from last week? Mm-hmm. Killer. What, Nathan, is your number six? You ever seen Spider-Man 2? Have you seen any of the Maguire? Have the you seen any of the Spider-Man movies, actually? First one. So, O2, and, yeah, Tobey Maguire? Yeah. And that was, you're like, I, one and done? No, I didn't I hate get, it. There no, wasn't anything I just, wrong with it. I just, I'm you not weren't a, compelled. Not a huge comic book. Fan. I'm more than you are, and I, I'm enjoying most of these superhero movies that, that we have. But you know, in the early 2000s, we didn't have a huge like interconnecting. Not, not like, like now, yeah. like MCU. But is. they had they started doing the after the credits thing with at this point. I don't think so. Okay, okay. I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, they didn't really do that until like I think Iron Man. Okay, maybe. But you, you pretty much had just. Standalone franchises, you know, put out by different studios. You either had like X Men started in two thousand, and then Spider Man came out in 02. And the fact that they were able to have a couple of successful and well received, well crafted Marvel movies was still, you know, like whoa, whoa, this is we can we might be we onto might be, something. We here. might be onto something. Yeah, uh, it was even more astounding that both of the sequels were, at least in my opinion better or at least superior than the originals. I thought X2 was better than the original X-Men and oh, really? I liked X-Men. X2 was um, actually X2 was good. Um and then Spider-Man 2 in my opinion is significantly better because it just plays on more elements that you didn't get in the first film. Okay. And 
in I the liked, early... I liked the first one. Yeah. And so Spider-Man took, two took everything about the first Spider-Man film and, and kind of put it on its head. He's also suffering from temporary loss of his superpowers during life-threatening situations, which is kind of funny and odd at the same time, sure. depending on what the situation is. And we're also provided with a really good villain. Uh, Alfred Molina plays Dr. Octavius. Oh, yeah. Um, who becomes Doc Ock during a tragic accident that fuses the mechanical arms to his back. Does uh, Does Raimi do all three? Raimi does all three. Three is I've horrible. I've heard. Horrible. Uh, you also get Sam Raimi really flexing his muscles as a director doing a, a really big studio Hollywood studio film. Right. And he incorporates some really good horror elements, like specifically in the surgery scene where they're trying to remove the arms and his like six, they're now like sentient. They're now self-aware. Uh-huh. And so you just see something really bad and then blood splatter. Oh, here. implied horror. Yeah, the implied horror. Nice. Because you can only do so much with the PG-13. It's just a really good middle chapter of the series. But as a word of advice... Don't watch Spider-Man 3. It's horrible, and I almost put it on my letdown list. That's my number six, Spider-Man 2. Some strong feelings about that. My number six is from a man who constantly invented and then reinvented, and it's Wes Craven's new Nightmare. I still need to re-see that one. It's been a little while. Now, I know you're a fan of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody's got their Freddy movie that's their their favorite. That's theirs. The first one is probably mine. Um, you have to kind of, you have to kind of at least have a working knowledge of the series. Um, it, it doesn't require you to have seen them, but you need to know, but you kind of do because this does that thing that you talked about with the James Bond movies where they, they, they start and they're great and they're fucking top speed, full speed ahead. And then they get get a little little funny and silly, a little funny and silly, a little funny and silly. And then they snap back and they fucking get grounded. This is, this is out of control. So this was, (laughs) this was Wes Craven inventing sort of the meta horror genre. Oh, because it takes, it takes place like the girl, Heather, uh, it takes place uh, in the universe that they filmed the movie. Correct. She doesn't play Nancy. She plays herself. Correct. And Freddie is actually really real. Okay. And it's, Craven is himself in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he did the same thing a few years later. He reinvented that with Scream. Right, Um, right, right. It's not the formula of tits, joke, kill, repeat that all 80s horror was. Because this was in 95. I believe the last Nightmare movie came out in 91. I believe that was uh, Freddy's Dead. And I think I've seen that once. But Freddy's Dead, the final chapter. It was called Freddy's Dead, the final <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. Okay. You should watch you should watch all of those to really appreciate this. All but right. if you if you need to, if if you don't want to, the first one and then th- this one would be a great one and two. It's, it, it, brilliant in my mind. It probably is a little cheesy now because it's close to thirty years old. But the original is close to forty years old, so sorry about that. Let buddy. that sink in. <laughs> Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, that is my number six. What's your number five? Uh, My number five is actually Desperado because that is a sequel. It's um, like El Mariachi is a great film to watch if you have a fascination with low-budget filmmaking, especially – Absolutely. And and like the reading companion that would go with that movie is his book Rebel Without a Crew. Uh, All the trials that he kind of goes through to save up his money. He did like medical trials and and shit like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like – I <laughs> know, right? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I'll have to let you borrow the book. It's Oh, fuck, please yeah. do. Um, I didn't know that. 
Uh, I fucking love him so much more yeah, now. But he made uh, El Mariachi for $7,000. Um, wow. But Robert Rodriguez was approached by Columbia Pictures about making another film, and I'm I'm unsure if he actually proposed the idea of the sequel or if he just talked about it in like one of the commentaries. Somewhere in the process, he said, you, you've seen what I can do with 7000 Imagine what I could do with $7 million. <laughs> And that's what this budget was for Desperado was seven million. What I what I like about people like him is he's the kind of person that constraints, whether it's censorship or a low budget, they actually force you to be more creative. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sometimes sometimes censoring isn't bad. Sometimes you just have to creatively you, work your way out of a, a like yeah. into a out of a problem into yeah. a solution. Arrested yeah. Development is one of my favorite examples of that because. Censors bleeped him all the time, and it's actually kind of funnier. It's funnier, yeah. And I love, I love low budget. Low budget filmmaking is like pizza or sex. Even when it's bad, it's still good. And yeah, he's even uh, when it's bad, it's still good. (laughs) Rodriguez is he's, I won't say he's the king of it. He's one of the fucking figureheads because there's some crap that he's done as well. That I don't care Everybody. for, but but I think it's I think it's great too that he also has gone into he does a lot of family stuff, but he also does almost everything that he shoots. He tries to shoot either on location or he shoots at his studios, like in his hometown of I think Austin, Texas. I know he's yeah. from Texas. Yeah. Uh, what Rodriguez does with Desperado is he he kind of does what Sam Raimi did with The Evil Dead. He sort of makes it a sequel and a remake at the same time. Sure. And so it has that. And what's fun about this sequel is that he takes everything and turns it up to 11. These go to 11. <laughs> <laughs> the action is bigger. The violence is more violent. The gore is grosser. Gorier. Um, the stars are bigger. The, spectac- uh, the spectacle and scenarios are more elaborate uh, as well as the finale. But everything is pretty much done with practical effects that he did in camera. Right. He had this thing that was called the guacamole gun. You've talked about it before. Yeah. Apparently that made the what they had to capture in camera. They had to cut down quite a bit and re-edit that because it made it to the point where it was getting an X rating. Oh, because really? It was too violent, or at least the NBA <laughs> thought it was too too violent. Okay, so Desperado, uh, that's a good pick. It's no secret I don't like Christopher Nolan's Batman. Right. I, I just I don't I don't get it. Are we going uh, to Batman Returns? But no, The Dark Knight is a solid fucking movie. Oh. That is a great fucking sequel. Yeah, the only thing that is really shitty is the Batman voice. That's the only thing, in my opinion, that, it's that like, makes it okay, grating. So the thing about Batman for me, and I'm I'm conflicted, or I'm different, I guess, than other people are with Batman. Right. Like, I think Batman is supposed to be a little silly. Yeah. I get that Adam West is fucking, oh, Grandpa's had one too many scotches at Thanksgiving, and he's running around in his underwear. He thinks he's fucking Batman. But this one, this is basically fucking heat. Robin to the back game. <laughs> The Dark Knight is basically heat. Oh yeah, it's you got, watch the opening. All you have to do is watch that opening heist, like bank robbery and in camera effects. Oh yeah, and it, I can I can let you have one dark Batman story every now and again, like Frank. This isn't Frank Miller. See if but see, it has Frank, Frank Miller's it, Frank Miller's Batman is campy and over the top and not but also fucking dark at the same time. Yes, and this is just. Dark. There was more Frank Miller in Batman Begins than there was in The Dark Knight. Okay, I fell asleep during Batman Begins. I fucking hated that movie. Um, but The Dark Knight, it was the one where it's like, for good or bad, I'm probably in that camp of people that watched it like, oh, fuck. The, like, it disturbed Heath Ledger so badly that he fucking killed himself on accident. <laughs> I hope like, not. I have to see. 
And it's the Joker. Yeah, dude. I know. It's the Joker. It's that's the fucking the Joker and Batman are the Lennon and McCartney of the DC universe. Yeah. Okay, they need each other, and it, I had to see it. And his Joker is good. It's his own. You know what I mean? And the only thing I would take out of it is I don't know that I'd take anything out of it now that I say that, man. I would like to see actually. I'd like to see more uh, Harvey Two Face. Okay. Yeah, because he was more of a third act uh, creation. Yeah. Yeah, I get and that. And that's it, he. They had to make that turn. Well, what if this shit happened in the real world? Kind of thing. Yeah. Turn. And so I get and that. The nobody went to see that. That didn't know what the fuck Batman was. Right. So you could have started Nolan's trilogy with this movie. Mm-hmm. I get it. He was kind of trying to do Year One, and then yeah. uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, there was ver- there was a lot of Year One in yeah. Batman Begins, and I, I get that, and that's what he was trying to do, and it's his his version of that. I don't want to say like, well, I see what he was trying to do there. Like, no, he made a very successful fucking yeah. trilogy of films. I just like this one, right? Um, I don't know if he meant to fucking blow Michael Mann with the way he did a lot of stuff. It in was this. on per it was on purpose, but it was homage. I saw that dude. And yeah. Thank you for paying respect to where you came from. And I fucking anything I don't like that Nolan does. I think he's pretentious and I think he's fucking hoity toity. But that motherfucker will set up in camera effects. And yeah, I'll excuse anything I don't like about him for that. Yeah. And that fucking bus flip in this or the the, the semi truck flip. Yeah. Fucking. That's one of the most beautiful things ever filmed. Yeah. One of the most beautiful stunts ever filmed. Oh, I know. It's incredible. All right, I'm gonna wipe the cum off the inside of my pant leg here. <laughs> Dark Knight is my number five. Um, I need to go to the bathroom now. <laughs> What's your number four? Hello, James. Welcome. Do you like the island? My grandmother had an island. Nothing to boast of. We could walk around it in an hour, but still, it was it was a paradise for us. One summer, we went for a visit and discovered the place had been infested with rats. They'd come on a fishing boat and gorged themselves on coconut. So how do you get rats off an island? My grandmother showed me. We buried an oil drum and hinged the lid. Then we wired coconut to the lid as bait, and the rats would come for the coconut, and boom, 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 they would fall into the drum. And after a month, you've trapped all the rats. But what did you do then? Throw the drum into the ocean? Burn it? No. You just leave it. And they begin to get hungry. And one by one, they start eating each other until there are only two left, the two survivors. And then what? Do you kill them? No. You take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. I mean, that would come up way better next week. I know. Uh, I, in I villain, shoot. villain speeches, but... What the fuck is his name? Javier Bardem? No, the character. Silva. Silva in Skyfall. Yes. I, that's a one and done for me. It's You didn't dislike it. It was just, it's not your bag kind it, of thing. The, the, the Mendez era... The Craig era is not, he's not my bond. I know. He's good. He's, don't, don't get me yeah. wrong. He's good. And I liked Skyfall. And I liked how, I'm stealing your thunder, but let me it's just okay. say this go and I'll let you go. I liked Steal how it. they, Steal away. I liked how it's a modern Mendez um, 
and Daniel Craig era Bond movie, but they've thrown a lot of like I, I, I hesitate throw classic imagery. I, of yeah, like, I, I, that's what that's yeah. a, a good way to say it. I hesitate to call it fan service because no. he's clearly a Bond villain and Dude, he's got some physical movie, defect. But every movie is some form of fan service. Sure. For, it's, yeah, fuck. There's sequels. People. Right. That's a definition of fan service, right? People like the first one. Fucking give them another one. Take their money. Yeah. It, it was. It was. I don't want to say fun, but it was. It was nice to go like, okay, that's a nice modern way of doing a fucking quote unquote Bond villain. Yeah. When they rebooted Bond in 06, starring Daniel Craig in Casino Royale, fucking I great movie. I thought it couldn't get any better, and then they released Quantum of Solace two years later, and it was underwhelming. <laughs> It and was I, a I was, movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was a bit concerned for the franchise. I've also been told uh, that those two movies kind of need to be watched back to back, viewed back to back. Sure. Because they're like a story A and story B that kind of complement each other. So when they announced that Sam Mendes was coming on board to direct the next film and bring cinematographer Roger Deakins, you know, the 12-time Coen Brothers collaborator, did Blade Runner 2049, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. That is a really long title he didn't write the title <laughs> uh, 1917 whatever the film starts with another brilliant cold open bond is shot by money penny who is currently an agent in the field and he is presumed dead and so skyfall it took everything that was really good about the franchise and kind of like you said paid a bit of fan service but in a really good way yeah they have a really good villain they have really good performances by by Craig and by Judy Dench, and this is you know uh, M's the, last performance for her. This is her second best, if not, it's it's, it's, it's right up there with Goldeneye, dude. Yeah, her is M. She yeah, fucking she's, she's, she's great. She slays. But in it this. was great f- for her to have this arc. But you also have like Mendez was able to make Bond play be playful but not campy, um, because at Deacons it's probably one of the most gorgeous James Bond films you'll ever really see at least especially modern very slick compared to going like really old school it's been i see it was 2012 right yeah um was this the one where they've brought the the i don't want to say geek but the it guy in is m q they bring in q Q. not m it's q yeah and he's like what were you expecting an exploding suitcase or something something like like that they meet in the uh they're they're meet cute in like the the art gallery yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's that That's was, a, that was a nice, uh, downplay. Yeah. Of the Q. Absolutely. Branch. Yeah. It's really one of the only films that's, that kind of fleshes out his background outside of Goldeneye. I was going to say, this is almost like Goldeneye part two. Right. This would have been like the perfect one to end on because you get the barrel sequence at the end of the film. Okay. It's like the perfect bookend. If, they had chosen to end everything. I don't know. I'm just curious to see where they go with. Honestly, we've talked about it before on our Bond episodes. I I would like them to go back and do retro. I'd like them to do period pieces and go back. Finish off with Craig and then start a new character and just go, these are a whole different set of stories with James Bond in the 60s yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that would be great. And that, that would be fun. You know, I, you couldn't do like. It'd be, they'd be almost fucking... like send ups, you know. And... Yeah. And that's where you'd have to be careful. But OK. So Skyfall. Um, that's your number four, three. That's your number no, four. I'm sorry, no number four. I've scrolled up on my notes. <laughs> I was already. I was going to say I haven't talked about First Contact yet, and that's my number four. Uh, oh, that is a good, really the only good next generation Star Trek movie. Yeah, because Generations is kind of Generations. They got fucked on Generations. It's kind of underwhelming. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. there's a, a lot happened there. Like Shatner couldn't let go that. They got the next generation cast got screwed on that deal. Okay, um, I like Generations just because I'm a trekker. I'm not a huge trekker, 
Mm-hmm. Like I'm, but I like Generations. But First Contact was the one. Jonathan Frakes directed it, and it's very much in that. Uh, it's all, all self-contained within the Next Generation era of Star Trek, right? And it does what uh, Wrath of Khan did. It goes back to the well and goes like, okay, what's fucking compelling? What's who was our best villain? The fucking Borg. Borg. <laughs> They're almost like a force of nature, and. And also that Back to the Future kind of thing, like fuck if they if they succeed in this, we're never going to exist in the first place, right? Because it was the first contact with a correct, a, like the the the, uh, the Vulcans see the first warp drive test on Earth, and they come down and, and they, oh hey, these people are okay, they're not cave people anymore. You know, let's check yeah. out. You know, maybe they want to be part of our little space club. It's <laughs> part of our space club. <laughs> And there's a, there's a couple little – this was back in the 90s, man. So like little winky moments, which are like Picard's thing was always like at the end of the episode or like when they're like, all right, fucking let's – you know, like in Knight Rider, it was always, get turbo boost, you know. The General E jumps over something. In Next Generation, it was always engage. And there's a little fucking little moment in in uh, First Contact when they get to actually some of the Enterprise crew ass dick their way onto the fucking first test. And the, the guy played by – um Fuck, he played George Bush Sr. in the movie W. Cromwell. Yes. Uh, he's fucking great in this movie as uh, Zephram Cochran. And he says engage. And they, the two of the characters look at each other. It's uh, Jonathan Frakes and LeVar Burton. Their characters look at each other like, oh, it's neat, isn't it? And then us in the audience are like, oh, it's cool. He said the thing. He said the word. This is the thing. And I need to go back and watch it. It's been a while since I pulled that off the show. The, it's very much an A and a B story. And... It it plays out. It ain't your fucking daddy's Star Trek. It plays out like Next Generation era. Was. I remember it like at that when it came out. I did not see it in the theater because I was not hugely into Star Trek at the time. Sure. And so this was like what ninety six, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I remember it doing really well in the box office, and I was like, "What is the deal with?" this Star Trek movie and why does everybody want to go see? I don't get it, you know? And it was a while before I actually sat down, but I, this may have been the first Trek movie I watched. Like what I think is I like really wanted to. And you didn't really have to know anything else that was going on previous. What this movie had, it was a good springboard to someone who hadn't watched anything. What this movie had for the first time was the original cast had fucking nothing to do with it. That's I feel bad for the cast of the next generation in some ways, because every now and again, they'd have to fucking wedge one of the original cast members into a story. Sometimes it was really good. And sometimes it was okay. And sometimes it was, sometimes it was great. And then there's generations, almost a nerd alert. I think I I got it almost in the red, but I didn't get quite nerd alert. (laughs) Star, <laughs> Star Trek First Contact. That is my number four. What is your number three? My number three is Toy Story 3. Never seen it. Really? I've heard it's really good. It's really good. The problem is, is I'm that fucker will six. make you cry. Oh. That's what it is. The first two films are incredible and thoughtful movies about growing up. But 15 years after the original film debuted, Andy's headed off to college and his toys are now an afterthought. Okay? There's a mishap with the toys and they mistakenly get put out with the garbage. And the toys escape and end up getting donated to a daycare. And so this movie has some elements of like a prison break movie. Oh, okay. Um, But what it really does is pulls on your heartstrings because you're now learning about having to grapple with aging and loss. I'm not 
trying to spoil it for you, but there is that moment, and you're just watching this thing, and then you're like, "I'm not crying. You're crying. Why the fuck am I crying about these? <laughs> because Woody and Buzz and all of those characters, they've just they've created that place in you that you really just love those characters. You, so I think two things as I'm listening to you talk about this. I think mm-hmm. two things. Are you implying that a 40 year old man shouldn't have this many action figures? <laughs> the other thing I think of is that I think it was a Cracked.com article and I've talked about it on here before but it's the implication that Andy is, still has these toys at the age of 17, 18, right? And they've been in his room right? and they obviously have to pretend they're not alive when he's in the room so there's a very, very good chance all of these toys have seen Andy jacking off <laughs> and if that cheapens it for you I apologize. I don't mean that to be the case. <laughs> but it's probably true. Uh, That's a good pick, dude. I, you've talked about Toy Story 3 before. And- Toy, Story, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 3, for almost 10 years, in my opinion, was almost like a perfect kind of trilogy. My number three is, I guess, it's part of, you know what, a number, another, another movie that was a part four that was shitty was Vegas Vacation. Uh, but a part two that was great is National Lampoon's European Vacation. Wow, we I've, do not agree with that. I have actually. I, I have seen, to go back and watch European because I did not care it's a, for it's it a at favor, all. It's a favorite for me, and I, I kind of like Vegas Vacation. I. But anyway, go I, ahead. I grew up renting this one more often than. Were there more boobs in it? Because it was R as well, was it not? Because the first two were R, and I think the the last two were the Christmas Vacation is PG thirteen, right? No and boobs. I know there's definitely boobs in it, but I don't know. I just found the first one I, I love. Right. But I, I for, for some reason, there's like not a darkness to the second one. I don't know. It looks, I almost can't explain it. It's on location in Europe, so it's like filmed with European crews and stuff. Maybe that's what it is. I like the filmmaking. Okay. Some of the jokes are better. Like one of the, <laughs> the sequence I love best from European Vacation is when they're in the, uh, the, the little uh, cafe in France, in Paris. And the waiter speaking to him in French, like, oh, American. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's saying, you know, in French. But the subtitle is like, oh, you're obviously Americans. Uh, Cleveland, maybe Akron. Uh, like, I'll bring you some nice dishwater. Your wife won't know the difference. It's like, your <laughs> wife and your daughter have magnificent tits. And he's like, oh, thank you. And he goes, and then the waiter says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's great. And uh, who plays. Uh... Russ and Jason Lively and the Audrey in that movie. Here's what I think I like about it, man. I just, as you asked, I I forget her name. Her name was Dana. No, that was the one in the first one. Look her up. She's dead. The second Audrey, she died. She was diabetic. Um, uh, fucking, uh, William Zabka's in it. He played, yeah, he plays her uh, boyfriend, Jack. Uh, and he writes her a letter while they're in in Europe and Audrey, I miss the shit out of you. What I like about this movie was the the weirdness of like Dana I, Hill. Dana Hill. Okay, it was Dana. She or uh, I'd seen the first one enough, and it's like okay, so it's that girl and Anthony Michael Hall, and like, well, why are Russ and Audrey different? I remember just like it pulling. You didn't me. grasp that because no, of I your did. Age that- I didn't. I didn't grasp why that would be a thing. Like, what was wrong with the first two people? But then it was like, I don't care. They're they're older. It's great. It's it's just they're. I guess it's because they're fish out of water and they're out of water twice because they're not in their hometown and they're not even in their home country. So it's kind of like that weird anomalous. I have to go back and revisit it. it I feel like in some ways it's probably underrated because I do remember it getting yeah. shit on quite a bit. And 
I remember not enjoying it when I saw it last, but it's been... I rented this movie so much. I don't know if... Maybe, maybe it's one of those ass-backwards accident things, man, where like I wanted to rent the first one and it was never available. Because it was the better one, the more popular one, whatever, and just out of... You were looking for History of the World Part 2 and they seemed to always be out. <laughs> no, History of the World Part 1. No, yeah, 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 I'm Part saying, 2. Yeah, yeah Part 2. Jews when is that in coming space. in? <laughs> I actually legitimately got duped by that. I, I asked my mom, like, when did he... What, so, because this, this was in, like, the late 70s, right? Yeah. When did, when did he do Part 2? And my mom, just the look of, like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> I can't believe I had kids. Jesus. <laughs> Wish I had a time machine. I'd go back and buy your dad a condom. Anyway, National Lampoon's European Vacation. <laughs> That's my number three. What is your number two? It is the tentpole of a trilogy that we both really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Add an S yes. at the end. <laughs> it's called Aliens from 1986. That is a great sequel. Uh, I can't remember if I came up with this comparison or if someone else did and I just stole it, but the best way I've come to briefly evaluate the movies Alien and Aliens is like being in an amusement park. While both are brilliant and perfect in their own way, Alien is like a haunted house attraction, mm -hmm. and Aliens is more like a thrilling roller coaster ride. Sure. Yeah, um, I'll sign off on that. Yeah, both do exactly what they were meant to do, but I'm just a bit more partial to the 80s James Cameron version. Not version, but, the, but 1980s James Cameron. I said that wrong. While I don't think it's his best film overall, um, I think his best film, in my opinion, is The Abyss from 89. Okay. Uh, it's th This one is my personal favorite of his. It's the film in the Alien trilogy that I return to more than any of the other ones. Not the case for me, but... <laughs> You could you not that you, I, no. Do it, you go to the third a lot? I do. God, it's so. I'm I weird. get it, but I'm, it's dark. I'm fucking weird, so, dude. I, I just like. I know. I like how I I remember in What About Bob when he goes, "If I talk about it, I don't have it." You remember that? Mm -hmm. If I watch depressing shit, I don't have it. Oh, okay. So you have to watch it to not have it. it. Remember the, uh, another example? Remember the old uh, anti-skip technology they would have, like on CDs? Yes. Like. Once that reservoir gets empty, your shit's going to skip. <laughs> you got to build up the memory. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep the reservoir empty, I don't get depressed. Oh, okay. It's the polar opposite, but it's the same thing, yeah, just yeah. in reverse. And I just, I, I love just how it, here's what it is, dude. And I don't mean to take your time for, to talk about oh. Alien 3 again. It deconstructs everything that they've taken the time to build. Yeah. That's what I like about okay. it. One of the things I like about it. Um, I'm, we'll talk I'm about sick, it later Nathan. when we finally do a trilogy of these I'm, three. I'm ill. I get yeah. it. The film takes everything good that came from the original film, all of the scares, all of the terror, and then adds the colonial marines. You I know, it's a thrilling ride with a group of wonderful characters, including a really good performance by Sigourney Weaver. Not that any of her performances were better or worse than in, the, in any of the films. I agree with you. She actually got nominated for Best Actress in Aliens, which wow. was also surprising. She does like that one. That was the you know get she away does, from her. No pun intended. She does quite a bit of heavy lifting. Get in away this. from her, you bitch! You've seen, we I I shared it with you. I don't know if you and I just shared it back and forth on Facebook or if we shared it on our six pack double feature page. But that where basically she and Hicks and Newt they become like the nuclear family, family. in this. Yeah, it's a really good little. If I can find it, I'll link it. If you don't see it on our page, I couldn't find it. Of all the three, it's the one that makes you feel the best. 
even at the end where sure. almost none of them are alive. Yeah. But it has the happiest of <laughs> all of the endings. Um, it just everything clicks with this film. I just I, that I, I love it more than the first or the third, but I like all of them. But this is the one that I always gravitate towards and the most. My, I, I don't really, I don't dig Cameron's work, and that's why I avoided this movie for so long. And then you and I had this a very similar discussion three or four years ago, and Jamie and I just went in on a Friday night and watched it, and I was like, God damn it, I have fucking robbed myself of this movie <laughs> what and it's like you said it's the first one is a gothic horror yeah this is action yeah and then the third is like a drama piece or a fincher movie yeah. <laughs> what i thought wrongly about this movie was that it's just another one of those cameron movies where it's just like let me just get some sort of story and then just do action and effects action and effects and th- that's on on display here 110 percent, but he still has that story. Yeah. And it's not Avatar. Aliens does what a good sequel should do. It takes the source material and acknowledges it, builds on it, and then like grows the story, the mythos, and the character. And and I'm guessing your opinion because you fucking picked it, but but mine for sure. Like it's it's arguably if you could put like in, in the list of the ten best sequels, or I guess in our case, the twelve, yeah. It's it, it fucking works in that regard, and it is a fucking great movie, and that's a good pick. Brings me to my number two, which is The Bride of Frankenstein. Ah, uh, okay. Every cliche outside of, it's alive, everything you can think of to reference Frankenstein comes from The Bride of Frankenstein. Almost everything Mel Brooks took and used- Came from The Bride. Correct. Huh? Um, it is not a toe-tapper. <laughs> uh, it It suffers terribly- by today's standards of pacing. <laughs> and the movie's probably only like 85 minutes long. It's not long. You know what I mean? I like know those exactly movies, Yeah, mean. those movies are usually only about an hour and a half, and you're like, fuck, is this thing over yet? I no. watched it about three months ago. Mm-hmm. I watched it, watched it for the first time, or at least watched it as an adult for the first time. And I'm not going to lie, probably the last. <laughs> I love the cinematography of the yes. original film. And so and the this. second one I haven't watched in a long time. This is arguably, dude, like the I first bet. fucking sequel. Yeah. Like the first like straight up fucking like and like it's almost the first like George Lucasy sequel. Like, fuck, we killed him at the end of the first one. How are we going to get out of this? He just didn't die off camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And it the, obviously you don't have Bride of Frankenstein. Without Frankenstein. But this was such a better movie. And she, so what's his inspiration? Well, he needs to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to make undead babies. Um, <laughs> it suffers from some pacing issues, but just by... Fuck, dude, it's... it's it 90, suffers from 1930s pacing. It suffers from being 90 years old, yeah. I mean, I'm not listening to records from 90 years ago, you know. But I would love for Universal well, to go back to this. And they tried with Van Helsing. Yeah, but I, they, did they try? Did no, they try? Well, it was most likely, hey, we own all these properties. What can we do? Well, let's create. They've tried doing it twice. I think they've tried doing Frankenstein or some iteration of all of the classic gothic universal like monster movies. They've yeah. tried doing it several times. And every time they try to reboot it, they fuck it up. Either by doing Van Helsing and including all of like the Stupid. three major that ones, dumb. or 
They do it with – I think they tried to do it with The Mummy recently with Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise and that that's was the, That's dumb. the problem. Um, the, even the, the Wolf Man, they had elements that were really good, but man, that movie was horrible. Who directed that? The Wolf Man? Fuck it. Who cares? Gonna make me Here's it up. the last – well, fuck. Really, the only good modern redoing of horror movies like this is the Brendan Fraser – Brendan Fraser – Mummy – the first one. The first yeah. one. Yeah. Great fucking movie. Yeah. It has a lot of elements of Indiana Jones too. Yes. Yeah. Not Indiana Jones 2, but Indiana Jones also. <laughs> Indiana Jones as well. <laughs> and Del Toro's Shape of Water. Yeah. Like, let fucking Del Toro have a stab at this. Dude. Oh. That'd be fucking great. Am I wrong? No. Like, no. They're, they're, you're they're just trying an to, asshole. They're trying to, I know. <laughs> I learned that this week. They're trying, when they, when they reboot this shit, they're trying to do goofy modern shit to it just fucking tell the story right. just retell the story that was there mel brooks did it perfectly mm-hmm. in his own way anyway bright frankenstein what's your number one watch out for his fingers they make sparks okay let's get ready to welcome this guy here he comes Was that Jurassic World? Nope. That was Jeff Goldblum, though. That was. Okay. You probably haven't seen it because you probably haven't seen most of these movies. Let me do one more guess. Sure. Did I hear him say The Incredible Hulk? You did. Was that Iron Man 3? No. What was it? Thor Ragnarok. Ah, okay. It's the only good... Thor movie. That's the second or third one? Third one. Okay. Wow. So they the first two well, weren't good and uh, they made The a... first one was okay. Okay, what a... I was like, <laughs> I have to end here. My first question was, have you ever seen Thor? Nope. Uh, uh, not only is this the best Thor of the 20 plus like Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, uh, it's easily... I would say it's easily in my top five of all of the Marvel MCU? movies. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's also the only Thor movie you really want to see. Uh, the first one was released in 2011, and it was okay. But I think that Marvel and Disney were starting to think, man, Thor's kind of boring. <laughs> if we don't, <laughs> should call him bore. If he doesn't have the Avengers around, he the, the, what's the point? And so in 2017, they brought in. Uh, Taika Waititi, the uh, Kiwi, the New Zealand filmmaker mm. and actor. Um, he's an indie director, and he was determined to make the third movie showcase Hemsworth's ability to 
do comedy, which he does comedy really well. Well, it's helpful to know all of what's going on in the ever-connecting you know, MCU. It's not necessary for most of the films until you progressively move towards Infinity War and Endgame. What makes the film so fun in Thor Ragnarok is that um, while there are very big stakes uh, – in this film with Thor and his brother Loki trying to get off of this garbage planet where they have to fight like gladiators in this world. Um, the Incredible Hulk has been down on this planet for like two years and he's like the reigning champ. And okay. so that's – and the the planet is ruled by – I can't remember the name of his character, but the character is played by Jeff Goldblum. And so he kind of runs the place. Okay. Thor, I have no opinions. I, 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 I know. I, I've, never, okay. I've never seen him. That's okay. So, that's me. But that was the type of humor. So you're like, what the hell is he getting thrown into? Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? And then his first reaction when he realizes he has to actually fight the Incredible Hulk was, I know him. He's a friend from work is what Thor is oh, saying. Okay. That explains yes. the joke now. Okay. <laughs> that's good. We're going to have to we're going to have to really downshift really fast to get okay. into my number one which is a movie that came up last week. It is not the toe-tapping, upbeat Thor Ragnarok that you chose. It is Hellraiser 2. <laughs> uh, I have no opinion because I've never seen it either. I, I, I think you'd really like it. It's, uh, I, I talked about it a bit last week, and won't, I won't go crazy on it, but it's, it takes the mythos, like I said. It, it, takes, it builds on it. it and it truly builds on it, and it straight up continues the story of the first one. And remember when we talked about Star Wars last year, mm. the sci-fi marathon, where no. I said it, it shows you, Star Wars shows you that there is a rabbit hole. And then you want to, you yourself want to go into that rabbit hole and see how much, what else is in there? Like, what's, I'm like, why is that like that? You know, what's, yeah, that's what hell, for me, these Cenobite characters are interesting and like, what, like, what world do they come from? Obviously it's hell. It's but like, like a hell dimension, right? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And it's all contained inside the configuration in the puzzle box. And it's, I mean, it's a little cheesy in eighties cause it was 1988, but was his stuff a novel form before he put it into film? Or the no? first one was, it was called the Hellbound heart. Okay. Uh, and then from that, he just made additional movies from that, from that he made, one movie. Hell oh, made, okay, so he did, wasn't and really involved with he the was sequel? He was not okay. involved with the sequel, if I remember correctly. Right. Uh, and he damn sure wasn't involved in the third one, which was fucking terrible. Or any of the other... You know what? Part four is kind of fun, because it takes place in space, and it's fucking stupid, but it's kind of fun. To meet Jason and Freddy. Everybody had to do... Leprechaun did one in space. Freddy did one in space. You know there's like eight Leprechaun movies? Yeah. And, I, and I've not seen one. The of them. only reason why I say that is because I was scrolling through stuff on the iTunes store on my phone, and it was like great combo pack of eight Leprechaun movies for fourteen ninety nine. I'm like, is really, it? really testing how strong the word "great" is on that one there, Gene Siskel. I, dude, I think I actually have a, uh, I think I have them in a two pack, one of those cheapo DVD specials. I'll let you. I think you, you, you I think you'd like Hellraiser too. It's there's some gore to it, but it's. Uh, it's not Hellraisers aren't they're not based on that. It's Wouldn't not, they work as a pairing for like a Halloween episode future? Not sure. I'm <laughs> not trying to sound like Mr. Obscure, like I like weird shit. I just don't think a lot of people <laughs> dig on Hellraiser. So what you're saying is is you don't want to affect our downloads. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I, we need you guys to listen. We want you guys to listen. But uh No, it's it's good. They well, and they don't cheapen it the way like 
Back to the Future did. Yeah. Well, and that's what also sucked with like the Hangover sequels. They never expanded on anything. And while the first one it's was great, re- it's just retread. They retread, and it was purposeful with the second one, like, <laughs> but it didn't make it any better. Yeah. And so, because all they're doing is retreading and not building upon it, it just it was disappointing. It was underwhelming. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is the point? So, Hellraiser two was it? Does it have a subtitle or it's just Hellraiser? It's 2? actually it's called Hellbound. Hellbound. Colon Hellraiser two. You guys, <laughs> number two is your number one. Number two is my number one. It's a sequel. What's it's- your who does number two work for? Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, speaking of joke, sequels, so funny. speaking of sequels, Nathan and Travis will return next week uh, with villain speeches. Villain speech. This one was fucking hard. Yeah, I still haven't completed mine. I'm still. I still only have four of my six. I think listed. Oh, really? Okay. Um, real quick, one thing about a sequel. Okay, we may have talked about this. I know we've talked about it. I've uh, Jaws: The Revenge. Do you know how? The shark follows knows to follow them to the Caribbean because they're connected psychically. There's a there's a there's a there's a novelization where there's a voodoo curse. Put is on that it. what it is? That's I don't think is. we ever talked about that. And they wrote, but I just I brought up really like the worst movies or whatever our yeah. pick six worst movies. There was that psychic connection, but they never they, explained it. It was a voodoo curse put on the Brodies or specifically Michael by a voodoo uh, priest guy on the island where they were living, and the studio was like. That's fucking stupid. We shouldn't have that in the story. So but all this it, other stupid that, shit, let's that keep that. Let's keep that in this god-awful... Uh, we have any uh, extra footage laying around from the um, the first one? Anything, we might. Got anything of Shider laying around we can just wedge him in? Do we have to pay him? You don't have to pay him. Yeah, but how much? Fuck it, make it sepia. Make it look like a memory. Fuck <laughs> it. All right, gang, we're running along. That was actually good sequels. I hope you guys enjoyed that. hope you guys come back next week for... Villain speeches, villain monologues. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Give us a like. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let people know. Hear it. Let people know to hear it. Where they can hear it. Get up on the mountaintop and shout it out. Get on the mountaintop, Charlie. Shout our praises. Uh, As we like to say, tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Tell that fat guy named Mo standing in front of you at the DMV. Hey, Mo. (laughs) Get away from me, porcupine. Go listen to Six Pack Double Feature. As you listen, make sure you stay off the Mars. Pick Six is a Clopec Media production. Like and follow them at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or buy a t-shirt and sticker at sixpackdoublefeaturepodcast.com. And wherever you pick six, pick six responsibly. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it.